This podcast is dedicated for a refuah shalema for my mother, Chaya Batsawa. Where did God go? In the Jewish calendar, we are now in the period just before Tisha B'Av, when we mourn the destruction of the temples in Jerusalem. You could ask, why is it that 2,000 years later, after the second temple was destroyed, we're still mourning? Why do we still commemorate this period of destruction when, thank God, we can see with our own eyes the beginning of the return to Zion and the incredible life and vitality of modern Jerusalem? In order to answer this question, we need first of all to consider what was the meaning of the presence of the Temple of Jerusalem? The scripture requests, Make me a sanctuary that I will dwell within you. Exodus chapter 25 verse 8 The Temple of Jerusalem was a visible, real experience of the presence of God right in the heart of the city. Since each person is himself considered to be a whole world, everything that is outside is also represented within ourselves. In the external world, the temple has been destroyed and is not yet rebuilt. We lack the real, living reality of God within the heart of the nation. If we were to extrapolate that to our inner selves, we can see that what we are really missing is the experience of the presence of God within ourselves. And it is that lack that we mourn at this time. Rabbi Yehudalev Ashlag, the Balu Sulam, takes this even further when he states at the end of the introduction to the Zohar that our outside reality is a consequence of our inner reality. So we do need to ask ourselves, why don't we see God as a living reality within our lives right now? Both in our external reality and even more urgently within ourselves. Each one of us needs to ask himself or herself, why I, as a unique representative of the human race, a unique member of the Jewish people, why do I not feel the presence of God within me and surrounding me? Why am I not a sanctuary, a vital living temple for God? We know that the light of God can only come into a vessel that is in affinity of form with that light. Since the light is all-giving and its only desires to give benefit to the created beings, a vessel that is in affinity of form with the light would also have to be one which is only giving. It is, however, extremely difficult for us to achieve such a vessel because our basic nature is that of wanting to receive. It's not wrong to want to receive happiness or goodness. On the contrary, this is the way that God made us. And this is the way we do receive as little children. But God granted us an extraordinary opportunity to become partners with him in his creation. Uniquely, amongst all the spiritual beings, the human is composed of both possibilities, the holy and the profane. He has the choice of receiving for himself alone, like a child, or of letting go of his own basic nature and choosing to give instead. Choosing to give, to become a partner with God. And by going above ourselves, we become the best we can be, 
becoming in affinity of form with him and providing our own inner temple for his light to dwell within. In our everyday life, it often transpires that we don't always pay attention as to whether God is within us or not. We don't actually notice whether God's presence is illuminating us. We don't notice whether the temple within us is functioning or is destroyed. And then something happens that disturbs the smooth tenor of our lives and we start to question, where is God? Why is he allowing this to happen? These questions always arise at a time of suffering. Suffering comes about for many reasons and is one of the greatest of human mysteries. One thing, however, seems to be quite clear, and that is suffering is not a punishment. But it is a correction, a tikkun, an opportunity to correct something and mend it. Sometimes suffering is clearly a consequence of something that we ourselves have done or have omitted to do. When we look back, we can clearly see the reason behind it. When we look back, we re-examine our deeds. But even more importantly, we examine the motives and intentions that led to our misjudgments. Many times it happens that we look back over something we've done and we feel upset over the way the things turn out and understand that we made a mistake. But here we need to relate to the teaching of Rabbi Baruch Ashlag, who taught on the words of the Baal Shem Tov, that before we make any decision, we have to know that we have completely free choice. After the decision was made, we have to know that its outcome was the will of God. So if the outcome was in accordance with the will of God, where was the mistake? And the answer lies, it wasn't in the judgment of it itself, but in the negative feelings or bad intentions that led to misjudgment. The saying in Pirkei Avot, the ethics of the fathers, is true. Everything is in the hands of heaven except the fear of heaven. It was our lack of Yerat Shamayim that caused the wrong feeling that led to the misjudgment that in hindsight led to the suffering. If we made a judgment, but we made it in totally good faith, and suffering happened, then it's just one of those things that happens. But looking back and finding the wrong intentions, the lack of Yerat Shamayim, helps us correct that. Now we can see the value of suffering. If it did not occur, we would not have traced back our steps to discover our wrong motives. It gives us an additional incentive to restore our inner selves. So our focus needs to be, firstly, to examine our Yerat Shemaim. What is it? How do we manifest it? And to feel sorrow and remorse over where we don't manifest it in our lives. It is the absence of Yerat Shemaim that is the real cause of our suffering and the real reason for the lack of the reality of God in our lives as a living and vital presence. Yerat Shemaim, the fear of heaven, is often translated as the fear of the Lord or of having awe of him. Rabbi Ashrak explains this concept as having fear of being separated from God. 
fear of doing something which will cause me to be separated from my beloved. Because it's difficult to translate, I'll refer to it in the rest of this talk as Yura. The Holy Zohar asks, and this is its language. Rabbi Yitzhak opened his discourse, Serve the Lord with Yura, and rejoice with trembling. And it is written, Serve the Lord with gladness, come before him with jubilation. But these scriptures contradict each other. Didn't we just learn, Serve the Lord with Yura? with the fear of heaven? For every service that a man wants to serve his master has to be first with Yura. He has to have the awe before him, the Yura before him. And because he has Yura, he merits afterwards to do the mitzvot of the Torah with joy. And therefore it is written, What does the Lord your God ask of you? Only that you should have Yura, and then the person will merit everything. Rabbi Boch Ashlag continues and asks, We have to understand, what is the concept of Yura? For we see that Yura and joy are two opposites. So how can it be that Yura can be the cause of joy? But the Zohar teaches, it is precisely from the Yura that the person has Yura, Yura Shamaim, that he doesn't want to do anything which will separate him from his master that he was subsequently given the merit to do the mitzvot of the Torah in joy. Rabbi Asher continues, We further need to understand, why does God want that we should have all before him, you are? The scripture says in Deuteronomy chapter 10 verse 12, What does the Lord God want of you, but that you should have you are? And furthermore, in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, God made it, that they should have you are before him. To understand these questions, we need first of all to remember the purpose of creation. Why did God create the creation? The reason is that he wants to give goodness to the created beings. But for his purpose to come to fruition in a whole way, so there will be no shame on the part of the created beings, he made a tikkun of rectification, that is, that unless the created beings have vessels of giving, they cannot see or feel the reality of God. So even though we say every morning in our prayer, fill the whole world with your glory, we don't have such a feeling that the world is filled with God's glory. But we need to believe in faith that it is so. But by believing, we do come into affinity of form. Because faith is a form of giving. When we give to God our faith, we are creating vessels that are in affinity of form with God's light. And these vessels can provide a garment for the light, for the light of God, which can then be perceived and felt with our feelings. The inner meaning of the phrase from the scripture that God created it so that we should have Yirah towards him is that through this Yirah there will be a great Tikkun and this will be in two ways. Firstly, that the created beings will give their faith to God and by this they will be able to transform their vessels of receiving to those of giving and thus become an affinity form with God. And secondly, 
they will then be able to receive the goodness and the joy in actual practice which the Creator wants to give us. There can be no greater goodness and joy received by us than to have the actual living presence and experience of God within us, becoming a sanctuary for the living presence of God in our own lives, in our own homes, for our families, our friends and our neighbours, and the vital light of God shining out as we build a sanctuary for him to dwell in. So this year, on Tisha B'Av, as we fast and mourn the destruction of the temple, don't let us be thinking of past history, but think of now, of how each one of us can mourn the absence of God's presence as a living reality within ourselves and help to fulfil the dictum of the sages, all who mourn over the destruction of Jerusalem merits to see her joy. Our mourning creates a desire for God, creates a desire to find him within ourselves. And as we work with this desire, may we be merited to correct our vessels of receiving into those of giving and thus see the joy of God in Jerusalem. <laughs>